Hey, hello! Welcome to episode 240 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, I am coming to you about uh, two or three hours, actually, after the Bucks beat the Kings um, in the Kings' first game of their murder's row of a road trip to the East Coast. Uh, the, yes, as I mentioned, the Kings fall to the Bucks 126 to 113. Um, they basically. You know, honestly, like thinking about this game, Kings played a good game for the most part. And, you know, they fought hard, they played good defense, and they made enough shots to kind of make you think they might have a chance. But I had said this throughout the game. The, the Bucks are a championship team, and the way they do it is they're goddamn big. They're just huge at just about every position, maybe not the shooting guard position, but their front line is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so they they had Chris Middleton, they had Brooke Lopez, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And off the bench, they had Bobby Portis <laughs> coming off the bench, you know, at 6'10", 250 as 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 the four for much of the game. He didn't play the five in my I didn't I don't remember. But the point I'm trying to make is that they're a huge ass team. And the Kings actually held them just well enough, but unfortunately, they just kind they just you know unfortunately weren't able to make shots towards the end, and the the game kind of got away from them. So, I think I think the Kings played a tough game, and unfortunately, you know down the stretch they just couldn't make some shots. But the the Bucks are a championship team, and I guess my takeaway from this game is that. The Kings are not a championship team, is how I kind of generally look at it. Like, again, like in a game like this on the road, the best you can hope for, the Kings are competitive. And they had chances to actually take the game. But again, the starters for the the starters for the Bucks absolutely dominated this game. And I just said the entire game, like, there's not much you can really do as as the Kings. Like, Drew, Drew Holiday was the one that actually stuck out to me, where he kind of just got to whatever spot he wanted. And the Kings, you know, like Drew is one of like the trickiest veterans I've seen in terms of using pump fakes and like spin moves and just old man hook shots that I've ever seen, like for a guy that size. And he would just get into the lane and just throw up a hook shot and it just and it just goes in. There was, wasn't much like the guards could do other than try and prevent him to, from getting to that spot. But at the same time, Drew is too goddamn strong. <laughs> he is a fucking brick of a man. For a dude who's 6'3", plays like he's 6'8". Like the way he backs down guys. Like, you know, Fox got backed down. Davion got backed down. Like, they're, they're just... And you're not going to put Harrison Barnes on him because you need Harrison Barnes on other on the other forwards that the, that the, uh, the Bucks have. And so, you know, it says that he shot a Drew, that is, shot 12 for 23. I swear to God, I thought he was 12 for 15, like, with the way he played. Just, you know, a phenomenal player, you know, and just a guy that, you know, unless you're an elite defender, unless you're just top-of-the-line perimeter defender, you're not going to have much of a chance against him when you're, when you're around his size. He's just so goddamn strong and just tricky. And then, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo. What else can you say about Giannis other than he's too goddamn big? <laughs> like, you know, man shot 12 for 12 for 19 uh, th for 35 points. Felt like he slept walked to that. Like, honestly, felt like didn't he, he didn't even have to try because 
you know, they had Chemezi Metsu on them. They had Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. All of them are just, just about too small to guard him. Sabonis, on the other hand, actually was actually a really good matchup on him. But the problem with that is you don't want Sabonis guarding him full time because he is going to, you know, draw fouls on Sabonis. And honestly, you don't want to put Sabonis through that stuff. He already bangs enough with other guys as much as it is. So you just don't want to add Giannis to his plate. And also, you needed Sabonis on Brooke Lopez. You just did. Because Brooke Lopez, as I mentioned earlier, is really fucking big. You just can't you just can't get away with putting a wing on him. It used to be kind of a, a strategy I used to think of. Like when you're guarding Brooke, you can just put a wing on him because he doesn't attack the offensive boards. Oh, it turns out he kind of does. And he is really, really, really big. And it will just tower over any wing. And then Bobby Portis is one of those guys, unless you have like a, a number of wings that can attack him on defense, and he's not exactly bad in my opinion either. You, like him at the four is really unfair because you can't actually put a wing on him because he's too goddamn strong and too goddamn big. That's the theme of this damn Bucks team. They're just so big. And, you know, the Kings, I thought, just did overall a really good job overall of just, you know, utilizing, you know, their strengths and just honestly holding the Bucks to as kind of to the kind of game that they ended up having. Like, you know, everyone in the starting lineup for the for the Bucks did well, but like their bench was not good at all. <laughs> but their starters just kind of overwhelmed for the most part, like the rest of the Kings starters and the Kings held again, held their own. Like, if you look through the starting lineup, like, like I'm looking at the stat lines, they're about, they're all pretty good for the most part. Like, 15 from Keegan, 20 from Barnes, 23 from Sabonis, and, you know, 13 from Herter. You want more from him? And, like, De'Aaron Fox will get to him. He's, he put in 15. I thought he, I thought he needed to attack more, but that's pretty good for the most part. And you got a decent boost from Malik Monk. He didn't have a good second half, but, you know, you played well enough to be able to win this game. And unfortunately, some things just didn't fall their way. And again, it does really expose that the Kings don't have a lot of size. But the Bucks are just about the only team in the league that I think can actually abuse it to the degree that they did. Because again, their, their uh, front court, like with Bobby Portis off the bench, again, just giants that can, you know, that can shoot threes and kind of hand, you know, dribble the ball, can post up. It's not a lot of teams in the league anymore that can really do that. Like the Kings get matched up for the most part with every other team, except a team like the Bucks, where they just have so many big guys coming in that can actually like you know stay with wings for the most part. Um, let's see, what else do I have? I, I okay, yeah. So I just thought the stars of the Bucks like they just scored a little too easily. Chris Middleton, I thought I thought actually shot a lot better. He was five for eleven, which isn't too bad, but just. The Kings just, they don't really have the horses to be able to actually hold the, the stars. Like Chris Middleton, I, I call him no no elevation, no separation. There's just nothing you can do when he's making shots. And he didn't even make that many shots, but it felt like he didn't miss. Gian, Giannis, as I mentioned, you just can't really, you don't have a matchup for him <laughs> straight up. And it doesn't help when he hits two threes this game and also was nine for 10 from the free throw line. He, he's testing out a, a new free throw form. And yeah, went nine for 10 this game. So good for him. And again, Drew just got to whatever spot he wanted. There was, wasn't really anyone that could really stop him. And n- none of the guards anyway. And Brooke Lopez, six offensive rebounds. But again, simply by just walking down to the rim. And when a shot missed, 
re- reached up and just grabbed the offensive rebound and put it back in. Again, like the Kings did the best they could. And they were just simply out-muscled and out-rebounded. <laughs> Again, not much you can do. I'm not mad about this loss at all. Again, you're fighting against a championship-level team, a very unique team that, you know, old school, like old school just beat you with their size. And just, I don't think there's that many teams that can do this. Like, we'll have to see, like, down, like, you know, in a few in a few days, like, they're going to face the Sixers and with Joel Embiid. We'll see how that goes. But I don't, I don't, I can't think of any team in the league that can actually abuse the Kings the way they did, uh, the Bucks did. So I'm not mad about it. Kings put up a great fight, and you know, like they got, they played well enough to be able to win this game. But unfortunately, down the stretch, just wasn't able to close it out. Wasn't able to make, you know, enough shots to pull this one out. And you know, as I talk about, like a really good game, like not a lot of turnovers for the most part. Like they said at eight turnovers, but none of them were like of the. Like, I don't recall it being, like, the crazy, ridiculous, costly type. We'll talk about a costly turnover in another game later. But, yeah, like, I just think Kings played well. And they just, and, you know, the the Bucks are a championship team. And, you know, the Lakers put out a blueprint for how to beat a championship team. You need a guy to go fucking nuclear. And, unfortunately, th- there just wasn't a guy that did that. You had a lot of solid contributions from everyone, but they needed one more guy to step up. Maybe that guy could have been TD. Like he he was out this game, and but like it, it just wasn't there. And that's unfortunately why they lost this game. Like there just wasn't a guy that en- ended up going nuclear this game to give the Kings the edge. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my that's kind of my takeaway from this game. Played a good game. Kings, you know, I mean, Bucks are a championship team and the Kings aren't ready to be a championship team yet. Like, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I can't, I almost can't help but laugh when I say that, but like, you know, if the Kings are a playoff team, we're more than happy as Kings fans. They're not a championship team. That's not exactly a surprise. So again, not too mad. Just gonna, just gonna take these, take whatever you can from this road trip. You start off with arguably the hardest game, although with the Sixers and Toronto back-to-back, that's probably going to be the toughest two games. Although I feel you can beat, you can at least, you can probably beat the Sixers who are kind of struggling with some injuries. But, you know, this is pro- this is probably the toughest game of the road trip. And unfortunately, they start off on a bit of a bad note. But, like, I mean, if you said the Kings lost to the Bucks before this game, like, would you be surprised? Like, and again... They put up a good fight. They had a chance to win it. They're a dangerous team. And like one of these games, they're probably going to go off. And, you know, the hope is they win, hopefully win two out of what? Two out of the two out of the six game. Like that would that would be an okay road trip to me. But, you know, you want to go into it thinking you're going to win every game. And, you know, they went into a reckless abandon this game. Like they, they, you know, they started out hot from three. And then, like, they kind of abused the Bucks in the mid-range. I thought they should have gone probably more to the mid-range. I know the analytics, that, analytics, that, whatever. The, the Bucks are willing to give those up. You got to take those. And, you know, that's what it is. Uh, just one last thing I want to talk about. We talk about, like, a guy needing to go nuclear. I had mentioned that everyone in the starting lineup, for the most part, very solid, you know, solid contributions from everyone, with the exception of De'Aaron Fox, unfortunately. Like, we have to start talking about this. You know, he ever since the Memphis game, he has shot 38% from the field uh, since the Memphis game where he went. uh, Let's see. He went 11 for 21 for 32 points. Ever since then, 
He's only had one. He's only had two games where he shot more than forty percent uh, against the Clippers. He shot forty-one percent, and against Indiana, he shot sixty-three percent. Every, every all the other games since then, 35, 35, 33, 35, 31 in this game. He he's been a bit of, in a bit of a funk. And the thing that I I really is starting to bother me about him. He is settling for way too many threes for my liking. Now, granted, a lot of them were open looks this game. But, you know, go, get into your bread and butter. Get to your spot. And when, like, the three ball isn't falling, adjust and try to, you know, get try to get into the mid-range. Like, the Bucks were giving up, giving up the mid-range. You know, get into floater range and try to, you know, have some success there. But, you know, he's going to need to find an, find an adjustment or somehow just he's going to have to hope that his shooting, he finds a shooting stroke soon because – the Kings needed De'Aaron to have that kind of nuclear game to beat the the Bucks, like the a kind of game that he had against Memphis, where you know he was absolutely unstoppable. Now, granted, you're going up against Drew Holiday, who is I I say the best perimeter defender in the league. You know that that's going to be a tough call, but you needed that from De'Aaron, and you know I, I don't I don't love that they kind of went went away from him a little bit too much for my liking. Like, there were some plays, like, you just saw him just be unstoppable. Like, to end the third quarter, like, against Javon Carter, he just goes right at him and gets a layup. Granted, that was, like, one of the only times he was able to do it because Javon, Drew, that's a very nasty defensive duo. And just, you know, I get that it's tough, but he needs to attack the rim more. They're not giving him a lot of love. The refs aren't giving him a lot of love. But he needs to find a way to just get to the rim or get to that mid-range. Like, don't stop selling for threes. And, you know, get back to kind of your bread and butter. All right. Now now that's for the game. Well, that's all the notes I have for the game. Let's talk about other news around the league. So let's start with this. Uh, Nike officially cuts ties with Kyrie. So they suspended him after his uh, anti-Semitic comments. And, you know, I, I had said, like, it's suspended. Does that really mean anything? Like, I think they were coming out with the Kyrie 8 or 9, if I remember right. And they had to suspend that. Now, all of a sudden, like, you know, I was wondering, like, because Kyrie's shoe is so popular, like, were they actually going to cut ties with him? And apparently they're willing to cut ties with him. So he is now a sneaker-free agent. But fear not if you're Nike because you have a <laughs> incredible plan B in John Morant because it was announced that John Morant will be getting his signature shoe soon. And I'll, I'll say, like, that's a great, that's a great pickup. Like Ja is an inc- is an incredible like you know incredible figure in in on the NBA court. He's got the personality for that kind of like to kind of attract um, I guess customers. And yeah, that's a great pickup. Like I think that shoe is gonna sell sell like hotcakes basically. Like Ja's an amazing is an amazing basketball player, and he has a great personality. And that usually that equals sales for shoes. And like they got a pretty nice replacement for Kyrie. It'd be interesting to see what Kyrie does. Um, you know, again, he has one of the most popular shoes before like Nike suspended him. Maybe he can go to another uh company and just, you know, bring that company, like become that company's biggest star. Like, you know, maybe Puma's looking for someone like Under Armour, um, Adidas. Who knows? Maybe he starts his own company and then it doesn't really do all that well. Man, hey, you know what? Join Big Baller Brand. <laughs> How about that? You know, go outside the box. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Join join Kanye's new thing. I, I, I don't know. He's got choices. We'll see. We'll see what he does. Okay. Another thing I want to talk about. So, uh, 
the Warriors. Uh, just not been great lately. I just watched them blow. They were up two, I think. No, they were up four, I believe, with like 15 seconds to go. Uh, Malik Beasley hits a three. They're down one. They got to throw it in or they got a timeout to, you know, set up a play to throw it into somebody to hit some free throw. They go up three. Instead, Jordan Poole loses the ball. The Jazz, uh, the Jazz then dunked the ball to win the game. So if you're counting, they were up four. They they give up a three and then give up a two to lose the game with under 15 seconds to go. It's pretty incredible stuff. Just my God. But before but before that, the game before that, they played the Pacers. Remember, the Pacers that the Kings absolutely destroyed at basically full strength, I believe. Were they missing someone? I don't remember if they were missing someone. Like, Miles Turner played, Halliburton played, Buddy played. So the so they were without Halliburton and Miles Turner. And they go into the Chase Center. And, you know, the guy... The, what was I, was I trying to say? But basically, Andrew Nemhart went off. Now, Andrew Nemhart, great story so far on this road trip. But, you know, against the against the Lakers, you know, I was making the joke of, you know, him hitting that game winner to win to, you know, win the game. And I'm here saying, like, the Lakers got beat by Andrew Nem. Who? Like, really? You guys get that's who you guys lose to? But Andrew Andrew Nemhart, yep, that's his name. He's a he's a player. He had thirty one. It was a thirty one points and thirteen assists. I gotta pull it up. Hold on. God damn it! I should have had this. I should have had this up already. I think it was on Monday. Remember right? Yeah, Pacers. Yep. Yeah, 30, 31 points, eight rebounds. Wow, thirteen assists against the Warriors. Like they could not stop him in the fourth. He was hitting threes like Steph Curry, and then he was driving to the rim for you know floaters, like. You know, he, he's a real player. And, you know, going, what, number 31 in the draft? Like, Pacers got something here. Now, they, they're going to have – it's going to be an interesting thing. They're going to have to get rid of Buddy first. I, I, hate, I, I hate to say it that way, but, like, you know, at this point, just trade Buddy for something so that it opens up, like, more playing time for a guy like Andrew Nemhart because you're not running a four-guard set <laughs> with uh with Halliburton, Nemhart, and uh Matherin. Like – that's too crowded of a backcourt. Like, you know, just, you know, get, you got to trade Buddy to open up more space for Nemhart. And that's going to be an in- really interesting three guard lineup. Like, Nemhart's a tough defender, from what I've heard. I didn't really get to, like, you know, watch that part, but, like, he's a tough defender. He's a solid point guard. And just, you know, combine him with Halliburton. Now you have a very dynamic, like, you know, du- duel of a, of like a guard lineup. Like, Halliburton's a big guard, too. So you can play Nemhart next to him. And then you add Ben Matherin. Like, you can even cycle who comes off the bench. And, like, the point is you got a really dynamic, um, like, three-guard lineup. And the Pacers, like, you know, I do not regret the Sabonis trade. And, like, a lot of you were talking about who won that trade, who lost that trade. You know what? At this point, I'm just willing to say everyone made it out well. And both teams are better off for this trade. And, you know, everyone's happy where they are. So, you know, props to, you know, Andrew Nemhart for just being just an absolute flamethrower right now. And yeah, congratulations to him. You you are now officially Andrew Nemhart in Owen's mouth or Owen's mind. I will never I will never say Andrew Nemhu ever again. 
that, you know, Andrew Nemhart is his name. All right. In other news, uh, this these are more related to the Kings. So um, I was just listening to a few podcasts, and Sam Amick, I believe it was on the Tampering or the or on the podcast that uh, that what was the uh, Athletic Live Room that he did with us, um, Anthony Slater, and he talks about the Kings, and you know uh, Slater brought up the fact that um, Monty McNair doesn't have an extension, Sam Amick. He now he does didn't report this or anything, but at least from what he said, from what he knows, he does expect something to happen with Monty, so and that an extension should be impending at some point. And one of the reasons that he said it still hasn't happened is because Vivek has a bit of buyer's remorse, a bit of PTSD from the Vladi extension, um, basically firing him one year into his into his extension, and. Yeah, he basically, I think, yeah, he's still playing, paying Vladi right now. So, you know, he basically doesn't want to just throw money away or he doesn't want to like, you know, be, get it basically rushed to give someone an extension. So that's one of the reasons why. And, you know, I guess it's, this kind of calms the nerves of like how the Kings could fuck things up. But as far as as far as Amick kind of implied, like more than likely an extension will be down the line. So that is a good thing. The Kings are in a, the Kings, like, even though they just lost to the Bucks, like they're in a great position right now to, you know, and for to be set up for the future. And, you know, the architect of that was Monty McNair. Were there bumps around uh, along the road? Sure. But he's really been able to kind of reshape this roster. And, you know, like from how hopeless it was last year. So, you know, now where you where you know, you're 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 a team trending upward. Like to be just to be able to do that is actually pretty incredible and no doubt like deserves warrants an extension. And I hope that it does happen soon because, you know, this this franchise is known for just being unstable and just they always shoot themselves in the foot. This is one of those situations where you can you can create you can like add stability and just add structure and just eliminate that part of that fear of it just going sideways. Now, of course, it still could go sideways, but, you know, you can minimize the chance that it could go sideways if you give Monty McNair an extension right now and just kind of get that elephant out the room, you know? So, yeah, let's see what happens in the in the coming, you know, month, days, weeks, or months. Hopefully an extension does go through because Monty has shown that he, he's got something. And the Kings... The Kings got a good one. Uh, another thing, uh, so that I, I love this when I saw it pop up on my YouTube feed. Thinking basketball, Ben Taylor. For those of you that don't know, he, he's thinking basketball on YouTube. Uh, he has a very weird um, Twitter handle. He's LG thirty five, like E L G E E thirty five. I don't know what that is a reference to, but thinking thinking basketball is one of my favorite YouTube channels. Um, basketball YouTube channels on the on YouTube, and he made a video about the Kings. This is the first video he's made since the uh, basically since Marvin's rookie year, if I remember right. He did a video on Fox, and he did one on Marvin, and he basically just highlighted, you know, how the basically Mike Brown and the, has kind of transformed the Kings' offense into kind of a mix of the Denver Nuggets offense combined with the Warriors offense. And it's a really good video. And, you know, he's shown love to the Kings. And, 
you know, honestly, the, the part where he's honestly he's just showing love to the Kings is enough for me. But he also breaks down just how dynamic the uh, Kings offense is and just how it's kind of transformed since last year. And, you know, if you're a Kings fan, you got to watch it. Like, I love Ben Taylor. And, like, he does great breakdowns and analysis on basketball. And it's great to see him show some love to the Kings. And it's really fun to watch him kind of break down the Kings offense. So, take, you know, when you have a chance, watch that video. It's about, like, 10 minutes. But it's, wor it's worth it. Okay. Uh, last piece of news. So it came out today uh, from Fred Katz. At least that was that's where I saw it. Uh, so apparently Knicks have been active on trade calls. It does not say if they've been reaching out to other teams, but I assume it's because other teams have been reaching out to them and there have been conversations about these four players. Uh, th those players are Emmanuel Quickly, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, and most importantly, Cam Reddish. Now, I'll be the first to admit, like when anything that Casey usually says about trading for or just a guy he wants is usually a guy I want nothing to do with. Last year, it was Malik Monk. Malik Monk has been an incredible signing for the Kings. So like I'll, I'll, I'll eat crow on that one. Cam Reddish was a guy that I, I was very interested in, but I wasn't mad that the Kings didn't get him because the Kings didn't really have the, the, the type of asset to get him, which was kind of just a random protected first round pick. The Kings just simply didn't have that, and you don't want to trade a Kings pick for that to get Cam Reddish. Um, so I get why the Kings didn't get him. But now that he's on the trade block again, and I think he had a DMP last game, if I remember right. And I, I don't know if he played today, but, you know, if things aren't working out, hey, give, give the Knicks a call. See what the price is. Cam Reddish is kind of a, a player that would be, you know, you can buy low on, hopefully. And just, he's got a lot of potential. And, you know, a, every team needs more wings. And, like, th this will be tricky, you know, if Harrison Barnes is still on the team. But, like, you know, you get a young guy in who's got who's got a, a lot of potential. And just, you can kind of set your kind of 3-4 position long term. Now, however, I will say, if the, King, the Kings need a shot blocking for, and I don't think he's that. But, hey, like, if, if the price isn't too crazy... Like, I would love to have Cam, Red Cam Reddish on this team. And, you know, see see what you can do with that. So that's the only thing I kind of want to bring up. And, yes, I will eat crow because Casey, he's always wanted Cam Reddish. So, and, yeah, Cam Reddish will be a very interesting player on the Kings. Okay, that's all I have for today's uh, podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Unfortunately, the Kings start out this uh, this road trip on a loss. But it's a loss I'm not mad at at all, and I think that I think they're they're very likely to be able to bounce back uh, on the next game, and it is against I believe it is against Cleveland, which will be another tough matchup. But you know the Kings the Kings played well enough to win this Bucks game. Let's hope they bounce. Let's hope they bring that same energy and bounce back in Cleveland. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you guys after the Cleveland game.